Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Miss Independence podcast. I'm so excited for this episode. We are going to be having a special guest come on. We have Zach from the Hydrocephalus Association, who is going to be here to talk about the background of the Hydrocephalus Association and the importance of network support. So we are bringing back the support series for this episode. Before I get started, I just wanted to remind you that next week will be our last episode for this season, and it's going to be a Q&A, so please submit your questions, any and all questions that don't have to do with medical or legal advice, and I would be happy to answer those. You can do that by going to the Miss Independence page on Instagram and direct messaging me, or you can just comment on the post that I'm going to be putting up uh, to gather all the questions. The last thing I wanted to say was I'd really appreciate if you guys would rate, review, and subscribe to the Miss Independence podcast. That will be able for this podcast to continue and to provide the experience that you guys are looking for. The more views and interaction we have, the more you guys are going to see that come up in your uh, podcast. So without further ado... I'm going to introduce Zach, and I just want to say thank you guys. I cannot believe we're coming up on our season finale, and I've just had so much fun with you guys this season. So I will see you on the other side. This podcast, it is so great to have you here. Can you give me a bit of background about what who you are and what brought you to the Hydrocephalus Association? Um, sure. Hi, Abby. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Zachariah Smith. Um, I'm 44 years old and have congenital hydrocephalus. So um, shortly after birth, I um, was diagnosed with hydrocephalus after having a major um, cardiac malfunction at birth. And they thought it was the result of that. Um, But that was 1978. So uh, early in the 80s, when the MRI came around, um, they found out that my hydrocephalus was more advanced um, and you know, it was just more complicated than, than we thought. And that was a bigger player than the heart problem. So, um, I didn't have many problems growing up. And when I got into my early twenties and I was out on my own is when I started having troubles with my shunt and I had, um, a wife and a child and I didn't know what to do. You know, like, and I was on my own now. I can't turn to my parents. They're out of the question, you know. So um, that's when I looked up um, on the Internet and I found HA. And I reached out to them, you know. Mm. And I told them what was happening in my life. You know, like I'd gone nine years, hadn't had a surgery. And, you know, I was... uh, new new family with a new baby and i just had a surgery come out of nowhere and it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and i wanted to know what kind of resources they had and uh they were they were they were generous with whatever they could offer they did offer you know Mm -hmm. um at that at that time they weren't as big and as developed as they are now and they're not even as big and as developed as like some of the other big, you know, uh, associations that go, yeah, season Susan G. Coleman or, uh, you know, something like that. They're nowhere near that size, but the amount of, of, 
of good they do is is near that size you know what i mean yeah so it's great how much they do with a consolidated staff with lots of volunteers you know um because it is it is such a, a a rare um kind of condition still even even though it's more popular now and you know will continue to get more popular it's still rare and I grew up in the 80s at teaching hospitals in Boston. The residents would come in and I'd tell my story. Some of them were listening. Some of them weren't. And I used to think, you know, some of you don't care because it's not like a sexy disease. Right. Like you could just fix it with a hose. Mm-hmm. So why, why keep fixing it? You know, like these hoses seem to work. Well, if you guys are the cure, we wouldn't have to fix it with the hose all the time and get infections or just multiple operations, you know, mm-hmm. a disruptive lifestyle. Yeah. Always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Exactly. Know? And I think that like when we were talking yesterday, we were talking about, uh, and like you already pointed out, you know, that HA is such a small organization and we, you know, there isn't as much research for that as there are for other conditions. So that kind of makes our association or the just the HA, you know, unique. Yeah, but I think what what it's done one of the one of the one of the greater things that I think that it's done since I've seen it's basic when i when i reached out to them in 2002 i think Mm. they were still under the name hydrocephalus foundation oh okay and not association but i think they changed over over time um but it was the same basic um you know organization so um but what they've done over the last at least 10 years that i've 12 years that I've been involved with them is do an excellent job at putting patients and parents in touch with other patients and parents in your area. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you get a little community of people that you can either kind of, if you feel like you can go to, go to, if you, you know, if they have better ways to get in touch with people that you might need, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good way to network. It's a good way to meet other patients because that's just good in general. Like for a long time, I never met a patient. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what happens when they get older? I've never met anyone who's older. You know, exactly. Now I've met now I've met dozens who are older, and it's like okay, mm-hmm. okay, all right. I just think they that do get older. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and I think that that's so cool too because my condition was diagnosed even before I was born, and like you said, yours wasn't. Um, like you, you were a little bit older when you started having all those issues. So I think that like we, even though we both have had yourselfless, we're gonna have different experiences too. Right. Yeah. And everybody's got to, you know, right. like even the two old timers that I meet in town and have lunch with once in a while, mm-hmm. one of them had a much different story than the other, you know, Right. the other one of them was, they both got NPH 
you know, mm-hmm. and they got the idiopathic NPH, which just means they don't know why you got it. That's all idiopathic means. But oh, okay. Um, uh, so they got idiopathic normal fresh hydrocephalus. One of them um, was the Undertaker in town. He he kept falling over backwards. Mm. Now, if you fall over backwards, it's a sign that you have increased intracranial pressure. Okay. If you faint, you fall forward. Okay. Okay. So, um, he had fallen a few times and, and his, and his daughter took him to a neurologist. They diagnosed him with Parkinson's disease mm-hmm. and she, she was doing her due diligence and she said, Hey, his symptoms are progressing faster than Parkinson's. They gave him a CAT scan and saw that he had hydrocephalus. So mm-hmm. they sent, sent him off to get a shunt and then he lost it. And then he started barking again, you know, cause he was losing his ability to walk and walking with a cane and mm-hmm. uh, back to normal. Not, yeah. not 100%, but, you know. Right, right. He's doing well. Right. Um, what is the mission of the Hydrocephalus Association, like the official mission? So the official mission, as far as I, I can tell you off the top of my head, mm-hmm. is to um, is to search for, to search, uh, foster a cure for hydrocephalus and in doing so also find a balance for the betterment of people living with hydrocephalus in the meantime okay john do you understand what i mean yes yes so only finding a cure Mm. Now, there's many, many, many different types of hydrocephalus, so it's right. very difficult to say, I'm going to find a cure. And I actually had this conversation with some of the people, and they were like, well, it really depends, Zach, on what you think a cure is, you know? Right, right. And I, I guess that's true, and it is all perspective, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, to me, a cure for me means no more shunt, no more surgeries. Right. Um, you know, but I, I know it can't be that black and white, you know? Exactly. Well, um, and I know that the slogan is then no more BS. Uh, so like no right, more no brain surgery. No more brain surgeries, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's really cool. But I agree with yeah. you that like the um, objective of not having a brain surgery, um, there can be other goals that would uh, be more... Uh, maybe more successful for a lack of a better word right. to right right like hydrocephalus mm. one and done exactly you know, like right. get the etv you mm. know right don't, don't be shunt dependent oh i like that you, know? you should be their marketing slogan person <laughs> yeah they yeah. got one of those oh yeah um but yeah but you know what I mean? So to me, it's like when they say, yeah, we're going to find a cure for cancer. Well, which fucking kind? Yeah. You know? And it's like this guy, um, what's his name? What was his name at Tufts? I met him. Heidelman. Heidelman. Dr. Okay. He- Dr. Heidelman at Tufts. He invented this e-shunt that um, a... Um, what do you call it? Venture capitalist company gave him $90 million to develop. And he said it would take people who had 
basically like perfect communicating hydrocephalus. Mm -hmm. If you had that, you could go in, well, you had to go to the east coast of, no, the, yeah, the east coast of Africa because he was doing the human testing over there. Right. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but now the company that he runs is called Saravask. And basically what it is, is it's the stint that they put and it, it breaks your brain blood barrier and mm -hmm. goes into the, into the area that holds the cerebrospinal fluid right. and the other end goes into your carotid artery. So mm -hmm. it dumps any excess spinal fluid into your carotid artery. Right. So my only objection to that is... What happens if you get uh, infection? Right. Then it's going, you might get septic mm. because yeah. it's going to get pumped throughout your whole body right away with the blood. Mm. Yeah. No, you know that, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, I think that... And, oh, go ahead. And plus, like 1% of the 1% that have hydrocephalus have perfect communicating hydrocephalus. Oh, okay. You know? Right. Like, I have non-communicating hydrocephalus. Mm -hmm. So, boom, I'm not a candidate for an ETV or this Saravask thing. Right. No. Could you explain... Oh, yeah, could you one explain one the difference... One in my head and one in my back. Right, right. Could you explain the difference between for our audience between the communicative hydrocephalus and the non-communicative hydrocephalus? Okay, so... It's an old, it's an old term, and they don't use it anymore. Okay. They, they, I, I think they use obstructive and non-obstructive, mm -hmm. which is basically the same thing. Right. So, um, in communicating, your, your brain gets rid of the fluid. You might have a stenosis in the ventricles, okay. which is like a little series of canals in your brain, mm. okay? Okay. And you have a stenosis, which stops the water from going down into the fourth ventricle and down into your spinal column. Mm. So they give you a shunt, but what your brain does do, as it's because it's communicating, right? it still functions as in the front of your brain, on the top of your frontal lobe, you have these group of cells called acrinoid villi. Okay. And I won't make it too um, sciencey, but basically they work like gates. Okay. Okay. Like big, like almost like um, almost like floodgates. Okay. Right. Okay. So what they do is during certain parts of the day is they open up mm. and they absorb a ton of spinal fluid into your brain and then they close back down okay? okay and this allows your brain to stay spongy and buoyant mm. okay because if you just sawed this top of your skull right off Mm -hmm. There would be no blood around your brain. It would just be sitting in a bathtub of water. Right. Right? The only blood would be where your skin is. You know? So, basically, that would, when you have communicating hydrocephalus, that, that 
that fluid kind of keeps a balance. Okay. And your brain brain kind of still regulates it. You have non-communicating hydrocephalus. You have a stenosis, so the water's not leaving your brain. Mm. But you also have a problem with your acronoid villi. Okay. Okay. Whereas they're not opening up. Mine just aren't there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's okay. no way for the water to get reabsorbed back into my brain. Right. So over time, now at 38, my brain had started its shrinking process of atrophy. So I will get early onset dementia. Oh, okay. And my brain will shrink. Right. You know? Right. Because there's no way to keep any fluid in there to do anything good for it. Right. But people who have communicating hydrocephalus have it much better. If I mean, there's a lot of people who even have non-communicating hydrocephalus that won't have it as bad as I did. I right. just have super slit ventricle syndrome. Okay. And that is part of the cause in, in my and at this point, from not having water in my brain so much, but just around it, the cell structure in my brain, especially around my ventricles, is very stiff. So if they blow up, it could be days before they come back down. So oh, wow. like, I, I got to be in the hospital with an EDV, just let my skull breathe to let the, the swelling go down. You know? Right. Right. So, well, that's all very... That's all very interesting. Um, that yeah, that's that sounds amazing. I mean, not amazing, but you know what I mean. That sounds very intriguing. Um, yeah. What if you? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, if you had to name one unique uh, aspect of the hydrocephalus association, what would you say that, that would be? I'd say that they're. Um... They're really great at at helping people get through times that are tough mm. when it comes to hydrocephalus. Because we can all have really tough times. I mean, really, really tough times. Mm. And some way, sometimes you have nowhere to turn or your loved ones have nowhere to turn. And... Um, I want. I wear one of them wristbands every every day that says nobody walks alone. You know, right? And and it's like um, they're. I you know it's they don't have like a twenty four hour hotline, but if you call and you you want to talk to somebody or whatever, I mean it's it's kind of like family. They mm-hmm. they get to know you. They uh, you know a lot of stuff. Just they really they'll they'll get into you know oh okay you need help we'll get you help where are you yeah. we'll try and find you something uh, you know they're 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 there to do their job which has become much better over the years in my opinion right you know as to mm-hmm. what it used to be as to what it is now it's just uh, it's really a, a a nice organization too if you have to have a crappy disease to live with mm-hmm. this is probably you know one of those ones where i wouldn't i don't i don't think that you get this kind of support from other um you know places like this on the level that you do from the actual 
you know, um, association on down. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's a little bit more like community I, level. I, I could call like two or three people that like Lakeisha or Amanda or, you know, like, you know, if I wanted to talk, I could just rap about something. Hey, I was just wondering, did you know this or this or this? Have you heard anything about this study? Mm-hmm. Have you done this? Have you ever had a problem with your kid with this? Right. You know? And some of them have kids with hydrocephalus. Some of them just have worked in the field for a while or whatever. Right. And they're good about it. Yeah. And they follow up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like a very community, community like family-oriented organization. Absolutely. I, I think that's cool. You know, like you had ta- pointed out earlier, you know, it would be nice if we had that, you know, hotline or some of the other things that many larger organizations have but like the fact that we don't makes us unique yeah Yeah. i mean we have i mean like i said i'm in in south of boston and we have um a meeting that's supposed to meet four times a year sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't Mm -hmm. but it's it's for greater new england right and we have people that come up from connecticut who we have people that come down from new hampshire you know we have um we just have a a good group of people you know we have we have people that um come from boston area Mm -hmm. come from my area you know there's like three people that go to the meeting that are from my town right that's awesome yeah so Um, i mean yeah it's nice we have it I mean, the people in the other states in New England come to it, you know, because they don't don't really have one there. I Mm. mean, how many people in New Hampshire? There's probably more people with hydrocephalus in the United States than there are people in New Hampshire. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, What is one misconception you hear about the condition of hydrocephalus that you would like to see cleared up, I guess? Cleared up. It was slow. It was, yeah, yeah. It was retarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That word, but, well, yeah, but that's what people know. think. Yeah. Or that we're, right. like, incapable or... Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think that goes with all disabilities, but, again, like, we don't have the um, exposure especially, that... Especially, like, like, I'm 44. Right. And, I mean, guys that are older than me, if I talk to them, they know there used to be a state school right up the street from my house. Oh, wow. And I remember it when I was a kid, you know, the kids with big heads riding the tricycles yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. Right. I remember. Yeah. You know, so I get it. Like, there's an older way of thinking around where I'm at. It's like, what? You got what? What? Yeah. You know? Yeah, just the lack and, of... And, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just lack of understanding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, even I worked as a carpenter in the union. Right. And ended up, you know, during my 20s and 30s having a bunch of surgeries. And it got around real quick, you know. And mm-hmm. that's it. I couldn't get any jobs in the union anymore because who wants the now I'm a liability? Right, you right. Have brain, brain surgeries and be on the table saw or be on the lathe or something. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Exactly. I'm not do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. do you have any special memories of something you've done or seen through the HA organization? Do you have like a special memory? Um, 
yeah, I mean, going to D.C. and lobbying for us to be on the CDMRP, mm -hmm. that was really a neat experience for me because, one, it got me involved in politics on a on just a uh, on a level of uh, citizen lobbying for what I wanted, you know? Right. And I have a great way to articulate uh, and I have a great way to insult people when they don't know they're being insulted, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's like a double kick, you know? So H.A. was pumped to have me there. And then I went, but, I mean, you know, 2016, I went to the conference. 2018, I went to the conference and I spoke. Mm -hmm. um, those are really great times. I, I love going, you know? Right. So... I want to go to one. I believe my mother went to one when I was younger, but I would love to go to one. So I'm hoping to reach out to Lakeisha or maybe you and I could talk about how to get there. But I know with COVID and stuff, that's just yeah, going to be yeah, a transition. Yeah. Um, so right. they just had the one in Austin. So mm -hmm. next one won't be until 2024. Right, right. Yeah, because it's every but other I year. I think that's going to be in Boston. Oh, wow. Right in your hometown. Well, right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I'll, yeah, that, maybe I'll look into coming. That would be fun. Well, I mean, you apply for a scholarship and they'll, uh, right, right. Reimburse you, you know. Right. Um, so. what lines of communication does HA use to communicate with stakeholders? Um, the way that I communicate with they or they communicate best is basically by email. Okay. Um, I'm also a peer support volunteer. So, um, like, you know, if somebody in the area gets diagnosed with it mm -hmm. and with hydrocephalus and they want to reach out, they want somebody to talk to, right. um, if HA thinks that I'm a good fit for them, then they call me, um, and, and they'll leave me a message usually because they usually won't answer the phone. They usually don't mm -hmm. answer the phone a lot, but right. they'll call me and leave me a message about somebody who just get diagnosed and they're going to email me all the stuff and could you follow up if not email us if you can't right and so what i'll get is in my inbox is an email of who the person is what their name is what they what happened to them why they got the condition blah 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 right and i'll call them you know mm -hmm. i am i am i am awful with being, uh, they're supposed to be like once a month, once a month, we're supposed to all call into a telephone call. Oh, okay. I've never, call, I've never called in. Oh. And I've, I always just email Lakeisha. I'm like, hey, I still have breakfast once, once a month with most of the hydrocephalus in town. You mm -hmm. know, like I'm here if you need me to call anybody or talk to anybody. Like she reached out to me for you. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, um, and that was through email. So. Um, you know, they, right. they, they know that I'm here and I'll do, I'll do what they need. I just think that's so cool. And I just want to commend you that you're being, you're such a great peer supporter. Uh, and I hope that more people would follow in your footsteps. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So the last question for this segment. I just wish, oh, I, I just wish there was people around when I was a kid. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And I think that so. that, again, you know, the whole point of this episode is to talk about the network support and I think that that would have just made things so much better if we had had the education and the knowledge back then than the, what we do right. now exactly 
Uh, right. Like, so they, they did a, a video clip of me and my mother a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And my mother was talking on the video clip. And she was like, you know, we didn't have any of this growing up. We didn't have any support groups or volunteers or anything like that. Right. And she goes, uh, everything we've learned, we've learned in the last 10 years from Zach and going to the hydrocephalus association and she said and i wish we had this when he was a kid yeah you know it would just be so amazing yeah um so i mean and even still like i mean i I mean i'll quit i'll quit cutting you off no no you're good they're good to go to they're good to have they're good to see the people in your neighborhood that you see four times a year you know make sure they're doing all right check up on them Mm -hmm. there's one kid and I know he can't read, and he's like 16. Oh, wow. Know? And his, I don't think his mother knows. I don't think she has a clue. Right. Because they, I think that she's older, and she just doesn't have a clue. Wow. And, like, we did a we did a, a exercise where we get paired up with the person next to us and write, write their names mm-hmm. down and, and what they like and what they don't like and what they do for a living, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I'll just remember it. And yeah. I'm like, all right, dude. Like, and then I looked around and I noticed he hadn't written anything down. Right. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. well, um, but for this, we have about two minutes left of this segment. But um, uh, could you share some of the? Could you share like one or two goals of the Hydrocephalus Association? Well, the goals of the Hydrocephalus Association, I do believe, are to continue to procure more funding year okay. over year okay for for research hmm. as far as hydrocephalus goes right and they have made some in, incredible strides since um even i've been there i believe hmm. now this year there's four drugs oh, wow. that are in different stages of research for the treatment of hydrocephalus that's amazing so yeah um you know a lot of that wouldn't have happened had the last 10 years and and a lot of really just grassroots efforts Mm -hmm. right you know a lot of the volunt a lot of the the people yeah hey zach we're we're about to just patients we're about to run out of time i'm gonna stop the new segment okay yep Well, welcome back to the second segment of this episode. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the importance of network support. So, Zach, could you um, tell us why you think having an organization like HA is so important to individuals and families with hydrocephalus? We, I know we kind of touched about it in the, on it in the previous segment, but just kind of a little bit more in depth, maybe? Sure. Um, and thanks again, Abby. But um, so like for me, um, and I don't know what it's like with everybody else, but I would have thought growing up south of Boston and being treated in Boston that I met somebody with hydrocephalus far before I did in life, mm-hmm. you know, but I never met anybody with hydrocephalus except for when I was 15 and I was about mm-hmm. to go into surgery. Yeah. And this other this other kid was going into surgery too, both with shunt revisions. Oh, wow. And I asked him if he was scared. Mm-hmm. And then I, when he went to talk back to me, I realized he didn't have any of his faculties. 
So I, I asked um, the nurse if I could see a lawyer, and I filled out a living will when I was 15. I got very nervous about some of the things that could happen while the surgery was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And not saying anything about that kid, but I just realized how serious everything really was when they're going to cut your head open when I was 15. Right. So... Um, I, I, I always thought it was odd that even anytime I go to the hospital in my twenties and I never saw anybody who seemed to have a shunt that was evident or, cause you can pick people out, some people out, especially older people. If they got one out, you know, you can, mm-hmm. but never. And even when I was at, um, the Brigham and women's getting treated there. Mm-hmm. in the clinic when you'd be at the clinic there'd be tons of people there and right. i never really saw anybody who had it but mm-hmm. then i went to the ha convention in cleveland in 2010 and mm-hmm. i got off the plane and i got there and got to the hotel i couldn't believe all the people i met that had hydrocephalus it was it was from young kids to old men oh yeah ladies Mm -hmm. and i was like wow wow people get old with this Mm -hmm. you know people don't just get it when they're old they get it when they're early and then they still get old you know right i never never pictured that happening because of all the surgeries that i've had so far you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just never they're picturing being an older Zach, but <laughs> now that I know that there's people, and I've even found five in my town, you know, it's a great place to to get that that network. And and, right. and, and you know, none of us are experts. We all think we are about everything, but you know, we're not. So it's nice to be able to you know, bounce some things off somebody else who's got the same thing going on. Hey, you know, the weather's been a little wonky. Have you been losing your balance and falling? Like, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. It's not just me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, I think that that's amazing. And that kind of leads into our next question about, I was going to ask you why network support is so important, but we've kind of like already talked about that. But what it, what is what does network support do for you personally, like as an individual? Like, how does it make you feel? It, it makes me feel good to see mm-hmm. others doing great. You know, if I mm-hmm. see the others doing better, I feel better. Even right. if I feel lousy that day. My morale is better. Right. I feel like also it doesn't make you feel so isolated. At least for me. Or at least, you know, like, oh, I get to the restaurant and we're having having a a bad rainstorm moving in and the the low pressure system moving in is like crippling my head. And Mm -hmm. I walk in there and I look across at one of the other guys and he's squeezing both sides of his head. And I'm like, oh, dude. (laughs) this low pressure system killing you. And he's like, oh, I didn't even want to get out of bed. I'm like, you don't have to. You're 89. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, but, you know, they, it's still, it's just like anybody else. You want to get up and have purpose and, and do mm-hmm. something about, 
you know, your day. Exactly. And I think that you also like to help others, too. From the sounds of it, it sounds like you like to help others. I do, Mm. yeah. You know, especially these guys, you know, like the undertaker there. He's 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 retired now because he's older, but it's still his funeral home. But he's got a manager, uh-huh. so and he got diagnosed, you know, maybe two years ago. So I sat down with the manager and I was like, "Look, you know, um, this is how Richard acts, and this is how he will act if something goes wrong with his shunt, and it's just you around." Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Um, he was just like, he was really, you know, thankful for that information and stuff like that, you know, because Richard doesn't know what's going to happen to him. If something right. happens to him, he hasn't had it that long. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so. how do you, how does, if you know, how does the Hydrocephalus Association work with other businesses and nonprofits to provide that type of network support? I'm not sure how they work with other businesses and nonprofits. Okay. I know that when, for the most part, what when I see them, with, okay, like this would be working with business and nonprofits. But mm-hmm. so here in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. we had a local company and a local doctor. Mm-hmm. in Boston that had designed a new type of shunt. Yeah. And not shunt, but a, a system that goes with the shunt to prevent um, shunt revisions, okay? Okay. They, they came to our meeting, and mm-hmm. they presented their product. Oh. At the end, at the end, I asked three questions to dumb down everything so everybody could understand it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then once everybody understood it, they were all like, oh. And then this guy came over to me afterwards and was like, what do you think about this? And I was like, it's it's a great idea, but it's not anywhere near time to use it. Right. It's not there. It's, it's not, nowhere near there. He goes, would you get something like this if it was? And I said, no, no, hell no. Mm-hmm. And he goes, why? And I said, because I'm 40 minutes from Harvard and I'm 35 from Brown. Oh, wow. You know, so I'm not, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I said, if I, if I lived, I said, if I lived, eight, eight, you know, eight hours up into Vermont and the only thing around was a, a veterinarian, at least he could push the thing on the side of my head and they could put me in a helicopter and fly me to Boise to get me to be operated on, you know? Oh, wow. You'd have to fly all the so, way to Boise? Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying, oh. you know, because they're podunk freaking, I was making an example. Like, if you're in right, the middle right. of nowhere, this is a great thing, but right, right. if you're not, it's stupid. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Um, What do you think the barriers... Oh, go ahead. You cut out there a little bit. Could you repeat what you said? company hired me as a consultant for two years oh wow that's crazy awesome um yeah it was cool 
Yeah, that's re- that sounds really interesting. Uh, what do you think the barriers of offering network support are? So, like, what do you think are some of the downfalls or um, just problems you can see when you're offering network support? Um, people taking advantage of your number, nature, and maybe not knowing they're taking advantage of it or just, just you know... You're always afraid to give your numbers to the person who's going to be the kook. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, because I think that um, you, you're you not always going to know who these people are. So it's like, what? Um, you're like, oh, my God, like, who are you? And uh, yeah. well, how are you going to exploit me? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's exactly. my big, big uh, nervousness. Right. Well, and I think, too, just in general, because, uh, again, going back to the fact that HA is, like, really small, um, so we want to help support each other, but we also don't want to get mixed in with the wrong people. Right. Yeah. Um, well, as we wrap up this episode, um, could you give some final thoughts about uh, for our listeners about the HA or talking in te- specifically to anyone with hydrocephalus or another um, condition. Just what are your final thoughts, I guess, um, in terms of um, just anything you want to share with our listeners? I, I would say my, my biggest thing is hydrocephalus, get involved in HA, mm-hmm. call them, tell them who you are, ask for some literature, get some mailing mm-hmm. stuff, tell them you want to get involved in maybe some walks or a group or something, you know, something in your area. Mm-hmm. And um, then on the other, on the other hand, no matter what age you are, mm-hmm. my, my big thing is I did this when I was 24. Okay. I went back. I went back to uh, the three main hospitals that I'd been treated at: the Floating Hospital where I'd been born, right. the Children's Hospital that I switched to in '83, and then the Brigham's Hospital, Brigham Hospital in uh, 2003. Mm. And I got all of my records. Okay. Okay. Printed out. Okay. And from birth until present and then i have until then until now and from then until now yeah know what's wrong with you right because there's gonna be one day when mom and dad aren't there and you're gonna have to pony up for you yeah so what's wrong with you so you can better serve you Mm -hmm. i i 100 percent agree i try to be my own advocate because yeah my parents aren't going to be here here forever and really no one understands me like me so and i think that making sure that uh parents of children with uh any well any kind of disability but uh chronic condition or hydrocephalus um even if it's like in small little ways i would want to encourage parents to teach their kids how to be their own advocate because they're not going to be there one day like you said yeah i just I think that is that is incredibly important, and I hope that this podcast can provide the tools for not only individuals with a disability, but you know yeah. anybody supporting Man. somebody with a disability. I I said outside. Go ahead. Are you there, Zach? Are you there? 
right. Yeah. I think that that's really important is to teach kids to be their own advocate. Cause I think that that's going to help empower them. Right. I mean, even myself, I just got really lucky. Like my pediatric neurosurgeon had a great bedside demeanor and did a great mm-hmm. job of explaining to me what was wrong with me. So I had a very, very rudimentary you know, like basic idea of how everything worked, even as a small kid. And then when I read it, I was all like, oh, wow, you know, because I'd already known how to read stuff like that at that point, you know, and it all made sense to me. And I was like, okay, now I understand why that happens or why this happens, or, you know, you know, and then share that with my wife too, right. because she's my partner and she's my mm-hmm. She's the one who's got to look out for me when I, you know, things go south. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's such great insight. And I think that that's a great um, note to leave this podcast on is just to be your own advocate, even within network support, uh, just to be able to find ways to empower yourself and educate yourself and, you know, just be knowledge is knowledge. Exactly. Yes. Knowledge is power. Well, thank you, Zach. Um, I'm so glad that we were able to chat today. And um, could you kind of give us some um, of the social media accounts of HA? So if people wanted to follow, they can. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it's the hydrocephalusassociation.org. Okay. Um, I, um, I don't have their information off the top of my head. I'm not one of their representatives. But, right. um, you know, you just look it up. And, um, you know, go to their website and they have all sorts of subcategories, you know, stuff for family, stuff for patients, stuff for caregivers, stuff for, you know, everybody. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, good links and leads to shopping around and, and numbers that you need. So Perfect. Okay. Check it out. Yeah. Well, thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks for having me. Yeah.